Welcome, beloveds, to another episode of the astrology segment on this podcast with me, your host, Indy. And today's episode is going to be dedicated to one of the 12 houses in the birth chart, right? And we're going to be getting into what the first house is, what it represents, why it's important to unpack and different elements that can sort of contribute to the energy that the first house expresses within a person, right? Um, to be very honest, there are a lot of, there's so much, right? Astrology is very broad. There's so much to talk about when it comes to astrology. And I want to dedicate this week to one of the houses. And then next week, or my next segment rather, I'll be talking about aspects between planets, right? So I'll be open to any uh, suggestions or recommendations that you guys want me to touch on in terms of planetary aspects and the meanings of these aspects. And then the week, not the week, (laughs) the segments after that will be dedicated to another house and so forth. Um, Just so that there's a bit of variety in between because I don't want things to get very redundant as we go through the different houses. So, like I said, today's episode is dedicated to the first house. And in the last astrology episode that I had with you guys, we spoke about the different signs of the zodiac and we went around all 12 of them and I explained the different meanings behind the different archetypes. Um, I touched on a few of the planets that rule those archetypes and the signs that are associated with those archetypes and as well as the houses involved with those archetypes within a birth chart. So if you haven't listened to that episode yet, please do, because it will sort of give you a good foundation when it comes to now this topic or this this lesson of houses. So the first house is also known as the ascendant or the rising. And why is it called that? Well, it has to do with basically where the sun was rising the moment of your birth. So if you're a Taurus rising, it means that the moment that you were born the sun was rising across the constellation of Taurus. And the ascendant and the descendant in a birth chart are opposite points that represent what we call the horizon, right? So the ascendant is where the sun rises, and then the descendant is where the sun sets. So when we now come into trying to understand what the first house is, what the ascendant is, what the rising sign represents or is, try and envision it as the the sign of the constellation that represents the skin of your body right now. So you as a spirit, the minute that you were born, you kind of got enveloped within this zodiac sign's energy. So by default, this zodiac sign's energy, this archetype sort of becomes the exterior of who you are. It becomes the skin that you wear, the mask that you put on. It's how other people perceive you. It's how you feel the most comfortable sort of representing yourself in the world because it's the first archetype that you come into contact with. 
as a physical being. And it's for this reason that we say that the first house is the house of self, okay? And when we come into discussing birth charts, right, it's important to know that there's a a standard birth chart where all the signs are arranged in the normal order where the first house is traditionally ruled by Aries, okay? And um, since Aries traditionally rules that house, Mars also traditionally governs that area. But then because we're born at different times, there are different um, zodiac signs that govern the ascendant points the minute that we're born and things like that you're not always we're not always going to be Aries risings we're not always going to be Aries ascendants right and that's where the variation comes in where even though traditionally Aries rules the first house the minute that you were born says something different where um, you can be a Gemini rising which now means that Gemini is now occupying the space that Aries traditionally rules so when Gemini for example now comes into the first house it makes Mercury the planet that now works with the first house and we call this planet that is associated with the sign ruling your first house your planetary ruler okay and the planetary ruler is very important because this is now a planet in your birth chart that represents you so how strong that planetary ruler is, how weak it is in the house or sign that it's, it's in, says a lot about the individual, um, regardless of what the sign is. So I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a Capricorn rising person, right? Which means that Saturn is the planetary ruler of this person's chart. So it means that Saturn is the planet that represents that person in their birth chart. So traditionally, you would expect that, okay, um, a Capricorn rising person is going to exhibit Capricorn-like archetype um, features, or they'll have certain characteristic traits that associates with Capricorn, such as they're very reserved, or they're shy, or they're very mature for their age. Or, you know, they're very guarded, etc. But then you find that this person is a Capricorn rising, but it just doesn't match up. And the reason, one of the reasons for that can just be that their Saturn, their planetary ruler, is in a sign that might conflict or contradict the natural Capricorn energy, such as Aries. So this person can be a Capricorn rising and their Saturn is in Aries. And for that reason, they'll have somewhat of the Aryan traits within their personalities as opposed to it being strictly Capricorn in nature. So for this reason, I tend to explain this as your rising sign being the car that you're driving, right? And then your planetary ruler, the planet, represents the driver, what type of driver you are, how you drive the vehicle that you're in. So um, a Leo rising, your type of vehicle might be more extravagant, you know, very grand, very regal, almost a Virgo rising's vehicle can be very small and practical, 
uh, a cancer rising's vehicle can be a family car or a caravan, something that allows you to take your family with you wherever you go. A Scorpio rising's vehicle can be something with tinted windows, right? Something that allows them not to be perceived by the outside world very easily, you know? So that's the car. But then the driver, being the planetary ruler, is influenced by very different things. It's influenced by the house that's, that it's in. It's influenced by the sign that it's in. And it's also influenced by other planets that it's making contact with. So let's have a different example. Let's say you have a Leo rising person. Now this person has the sun as the planetary ruler. So natural um, or traditional expectations of a Leo rising person is this person is very flamboyant. This person is very expressive. This person likes being in the spotlight, being the center of attention. Or this person has a glow, a flare about them that is very magnetic and they like just being extroverted in nature, right? But let's look at the driver of this vehicle that's Leo. Let's look at where the sun is. This person might not necessarily be exhibiting traditional Leo um, energy because the sun might be next to Saturn or their sun might be in the eighth house or their sun might be next to Pluto or their sun might be in the 12th house, you know, but we're talking about planets here. So let's say this person's sun is next to Saturn. What does Saturn do when it's next to the sun? It tends to put limitations, restrictions, and boundaries to the fullest expression of what the sun is. Because again, Saturn or um, Capricorn energy is always that maturity factor. It's always that responsibility element. And whatever planet that Saturn comes into contact with, it tends to put... Uh, a level of restriction too. So I say all of this to kind of emphasize the point that you might be a Leo rising and then you read about what a Leo rising's traits are and then you look at yourself or you hear what other people say about you and you're like, mm, that doesn't really sound like me. And then you kind of dismiss your whole birth chart. But it's like, no, look at it a bit more deeply ask the question of why don't I relate to it? What is it in my birth chart that's restricting the fullest expression of my rising sign? Because most times, whenever there's a restriction to your rising sign, it also pinpoints a certain lesson or energy that you're meant to be mastering in this lifetime. But that's a discussion for another day. Um, let's look at something else that the first house shows us. So like I said, the first house is the house of self. It's the mask you wear. It's how other people see you. It's how you show up in the world. So for that reason, the first house also signifies certain physical features on you. Um, and it also represents how you like to dress, what clothes you feel the most comfortable in and uh, all that other good stuff. So... Let's take an example of a Capricorn rising person. So in order to kind of elaborate on this, 
I'll also just make a point of the fact that the different zodiac signs govern different areas of our bodies. Capricorn rules over the bones and the teeth. So you'll find that a Capricorn rising person usually has something very distinctive about their teeth. Either they're crooked, um, either they struggle with growing out their teeth, <laughs> or they struggle with your teeth falling out at the right age, or they have very painful gums, um, or they break their bones very easily as children. I've seen that. You know, there's just always something distinctive about their teeth. Uh, when you look at a Leo rising, you'll know that someone might be a Leo rising because of their hair. Because Leo, lions, the manes, baby, their, their hair is very significant. They have really thick, long, or very healthy looking hair. And it's really usually very bushy or long. And you can just tell that, okay, that's a Leo rising. Also, Leo Risings love gold. Gold jewelry, gold necklaces, bracelets, rings, they love gold. And the opposite of that, which is Cancer Risings, really love a lot of silver, you know. Silver, bracelets, necklaces, earrings, that's mostly associated with Cancerian energy. And cancer rising individuals are also very distinctive in their facial shape, which is which tends to be very round, um, which is reflective of the moon. And cancer rising people tend to also have marks on their faces, like sort of like dentures or you know how the moon has craters and it's sort of like they're those dips in the surface of the moon. Cancer rising people tend to also have that on their faces. Um, Gemini risings tend to be very tall or they have really long uh, fingers or toes. You know, that's something that's very distinctive with them. And they also tend to be visually impaired. Either they wear glasses or there's just something wrong with their eyesight. So that goes for even Virgo risings because both signs are ruled by uh, Mercury. Um, Scorpio rising people in women, they have really thin eyebrows. And in men, Scorpio rising men have really thick, bushy eyebrows. Also, Scorpio rising people just have <laughs> eyes that are very intense, that sort of like pierce through your soul. That is not a joke, it's real. Um, and Scorpio risings, just like Cancer risings, their their image tends, tends to go through a lot of shifts, right? A lot of transitions depending on where they are <laughs> in that moment of time. If they've gone through some sort of like shift within themselves then their outfit or their personality or just how they present themselves tends to change personality might have been the the wrong word there but they they change depending on the transitions that they're experiencing in life cancer risings it's more so that their their outwardly expression changes based on how they're feeling because again they're ruled by the moon it's how do I feel like looking today right and that's how they show up which is why cancer risings tend to be labeled moody because you really never know what you're going to get with them because it's about how they feel that day but Scorpio risings it's more so 
um, I just experienced this life-changing moment or this life-changing situation and I just can't be the old version of myself. I can't keep doing that. I can't keep being that. And for that, it's they're never really consistent throughout their lives because whatever it is that they go through and Scorpio risings go through a lot, right? Whatever it is that they go through is going to be apparent in their appearance. Um, what else? So the first house also signifies our primary sort of experiences coming into the world, sort of like our mother's labor experience. Um, and how it was basically when we took our first breath. And interestingly, right, there was a client I had, I won't disclose any details, but she wanted to have her daughter's birth chart read. And because this person was a YouTuber, right, she made a vlog of her labor experience. And it was so interesting to me that her daughter literally had Uranus right at her ascendance. And Uranus is a planet that symbolizes or represents technology. So her labor, her being born, there was a lot of technology in that moment. You know, phones, cameras, the mom interacting with, you know, social media, the internet and things like that. And that showed up in the girl's first house with her having Uranus there. Sometimes you can even tell that the mother had a very painful birth experience when there's maybe Chiron near the ascendant or Pluto or Mars near the ascendant. Mars can sometimes represent that, you know, your mom's labor experience was very fast, you know, or or it happened very suddenly. It was something that was unexpected. The same with Uranus, you know, it took your mother by surprise. Um, in very severe cases, Mars being near your ascendant can also represent that um, your mother's labor experience with you left her with a lot of scars. If, let's say, you have your moon very close to your ascendant, then maybe it was a home birth or um, your mother gave birth with the whole family being close by and it was a very comfortable experience. Um, Venus can be a very tricky planet where it can show that, again, the birth was something that was very beautiful, very easy. Um, other times it can show that it was something that came with a lot of expenses. But depending on what Venus is doing in the, in the, birth, chart, the birth charts of the child, it can also reflect... Um, relationship conflicts or issues that your mother experienced in the last sort of weeks of her pregnancy with you. Um, also an interesting point is I've seen that people that have their moon either in their first house or close to their ascendant tend to be born at night and people that have their son in the first house or close to their ascendant are born very early in the day, you know, like very early in the morning as well. And I think the last point that I wanted to make for today's episode is um, earlier I mentioned how the ascendant 
and the descendant of points of the horizon on a birth chart. And if the first house is your house of self and its characteristics and traits that are easy for you to sort of wear, then the descendant means that it's a place of unawareness to you. So whatever sign rules your descendant represents traits or um, characteristics that you tend to project onto other people but fail to recognize within yourself or you feel incapable of connecting to within yourself because it's something distant from you. It's literally 180 degrees away from your your center of self which is your ascendant so if you're a leo rising it means that you have aquarius on your descendant if you're a taurus rising it means you have scorpio on your descendant um that's if okay <laughs> let me not complicate things because sometimes the houses cannot be equal like that but for the basis for for the sake of this listen let us just um pretend that all the houses are equal right so if you're a pisces rising then virgo is on your descendant if you're a sagittarius rising then gemini is on your descendant um and just like that so so for example if you have a libra rising individual it might be very easy for them to have or cultivate inner balance inner harmony or it's easy for them to make decisions from a calculated or thought out place considering every angle and perspective and for that reason they might view other people as very impulsive or immature or um, rash with their decision making because Aries rules their descendant so the work is whenever you're studying your first house do not neglect going to your seventh house and also understanding what traits you need to sort of incorporate within yourself or see within yourself instead of thinking that they're not some way somehow a part of you as well so that is it for today's lesson i hope that you guys took notes <laughs> that you learned something new today that it was some really good food for thought and that it gave you a new perspective in terms of understanding unpacking your first house if you have any questions for me do not hesitate to ask me on twitter i'm at a wave goddess on instagram i'm at a wave goddess do not forget to follow Collective Transcendence on social media as well. We're on Instagram, we're on Twitter, we're on Facebook. Um, and you can also reach out to me through those channels as well. I hope that you have a beautiful day or night further and blessed be.